Hello, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. And if you are tuning into this, well, it sure as hell beats an argument with your family. Welcome to a special edition of Telehell. This is our first ever Q&A program and a few things before we actually get into this. Uh, first of all, I'm Justin Hart. I'm the guy who created the show, narrates, writes, edits, and pretty much does just about everything under the sun for this thing that we've launched since July. And the one thing that I want to get out of the way first before we actually get into this is that as a general rule, uh, anytime we do a Q&A session or something that's above and beyond what our usual format of the show is, I speak out of character. So what you're hearing right now is actually me, none of the devil stuff, none of the stuff that you heard in the previous episode, which we'll touch on a little bit, but it's, it's just me. So you're going to hear a lot of errs, you're going to hear a lot of uhs, a lot of ums, and a lot of other things because I want to try to answer the questions that I've received from you guys in as organic a way as possible, even if it means I sound like a blithering idiot sometimes. So this is just a first-time thing, uh, and I do want to say, for a first-time thing, I'm amazed at the amount of questions that we actually got. Because for those of you that are just hearing this for the very first time, uh, like I said, we premiered in July. And we got a decent number of people listening to our first few episodes. And for that, we thank you very much. And we're also getting a decent following on social media, particularly through Twitter and through Facebook, which is uh, where we're uh, getting most of these questions here today. And uh, all I can really say ahead of time is thank you very much for listening. And thank you for continuing to listen. Uh, if you missed it in the recap episode from Halloween, we're going to be back with new episodes on January 5th, we hope. I mean, I'm, I'm Mr. Worst Case Scenario here, so I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for this. And uh, when we get closer to January 5th, we're not only going to be dropping a trailer sometime around Christmas, but we're also going to let you know... Uh, just a little bit, not spoil the entire thing, but we'll let you know a little bit as to what it is we're going to be reviewing that season. So, with that in mind, uh, we are going to take a look at some questions. It's not a lot, I'm just going to say right now, because again, brand new show. I also just ate something, so I'm uh, more than likely going to be uh, doing my Rick Sanchez impression and burping all over the place here, but you didn't need to know that. Thank you to the people who contributed, and we are going to begin with a question from Twitter. Actually, the first three questions are going to come from Twitter. Now then, our uh, first question comes to us from a Mr. Andrew Dick, and no, it is not the person that you're thinking of. It actually happens to be somebody who happens to have the name Andrew Dick, and he hosts a really good podcast in his own right, along with, uh, and I, I really hope I don't butcher these people's names here, but Tim, and I gotta type this in, because I'm online as I'm doing this, uh, Tim Sakali. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. So uh, Andrew Dick and Tim Sakali are responsible for uh, the first three questions here. They host a podcast called That Week in SNL. It's a Saturday Night Live-related podcast, and they talk about certain shows that happened in various points in history, and it's pretty much a back-and-forth kind of uh, was-it-good-to-begin-with kind of show. Check that out. I'll be sure to link you to it either on Facebook or on Twitter or on both. And we begin with the first question. Uh, Andrew writes, uh, what was the impetus behind creating the show? And that's a good way to start because as much as I've been a fan of television for pretty much all of my life, uh, something else that I've been a fan of, and this is going to sound ridiculous, but I've always been fascinated by failure. 
mean, if you know the German word schadenfreude, you're probably way ahead of me on this, but I'm more interested in failure on an analytical sense. Kind of wondering, how did it happen? How could something have been done to prevent this thing from happening? And I do enjoy that kind of stuff because I think things are easier to look at in hindsight than as it was happening, because nobody really knows what's happening as it's happening until it happens, obviously. Now, at the same time, I uh, noticed that there was a surprisingly low amount of podcasts out there that were related to television. And yes, there were some shows out there that covered series on an episode-by-episode basis, and those shows are good, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I also like shows that take on deep dives into subject matter. You know, you were talking about Serial, Slow Burn, Dr. Death, Bad Batch, Today Explained, all those guys. Because... That's probably one of the more effective ways to do a podcast. You present the information, you do it in a way that the audience can absorb it, and you try not to be too distracting when you do. Now, obviously, we don't want to be too dry around here, so every once in a while, we try to inject a little bit of humor here and there. And if you listen to any of the episodes at telehell.libsyn.com or through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, and a bunch of other places as well, which I have not yet become aware of, you know, we try to loosen things up a little bit, but... I want to be absolutely clear, we're not trying to be a comedy show at all. As far as the idea of using uh, Dante's Nine Circles of Hell as our rating system, that idea kind of came a little out of necessity. Because a lot of new podcasts wind up asking themselves, what can you do to make your gimmick different from all the other shows? And even in the 21st century, you have to have something that sets you apart from the rest. Otherwise, you're just going to be seen as a copycat to some people. Now, while I'm certain there have been some shows that either talk about bad TV or use a unique rating system or something over the top to use as a framing device... I like to think that Telehell is unique in that it combines all three of those elements to try to give us something unique that the listener may never have heard before. And what's more than that, the whole hell approach to the show gives us a chance to be creative with not just how we present ourselves, but also how we could possibly expand ourselves in the distant future. Now, if you heard the season one recap episode, and again, I'll be sure to relink all these shows as uh, the hiatus continues, uh, that's an example of uh, trying to expand ourselves. We wanted to let the listeners know that this was not just going to be a show, an explainer show as they put it. We wanted to create a world within that show and we hope that people find themselves being immersed into it until eventually we decide to wrap it up, whenever that may be. Probably by the time we get to 100 episodes or something. I don't know. It's still very early to find that stuff out. At the same time, there's a lot of possibilities to be had, but more importantly, we don't want to steer the focus away from what really matters here, and that's trying to figure out how and why certain TV shows failed the way that they did. Because the hell stuff is just icing on the cake. You know, we have a purpose here, and our purpose here is to let people know, oh, wait, this thing existed. I wonder why it went off the air. Because there are some people that are going to wind up liking certain things, and uh, a couple questions down the line, We'll uh, talk a little bit more about one particular subject. In the meantime, uh, question number two, I'm going to credit again to uh, Tim Sicali of That Week in SNL. And again, if I butcher your name, my sincere apologies. Uh, he asks, and possibly Andrew asks as well, uh, how do you make your selections for what to cover? Uh, we're still a little early in our run, so for the moment, it's sort of a 50-50 split between shows that have gone down in history as notorious failures and shows that I personally have a bone to pick with. Again, even if the people listening to the show happen to like the show that we're covering, 
you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. That's that's okay. Uh, for instance, our premiere episode was about uh, You're in the Picture, which was uh, the game show that Jackie Gleason hosted. I first heard about that show from a long-ago ABC News magazine. I I want to say it was Primetime Live. I'm not sure, but it was, it was uh, the first episode of that particular show, and on that show, they did a story about shows that were canceled after one episode. And You're in the Picture was one of them. And I was like a really early fan of Jackie Gleason. So just the fact that he failed spectacularly after doing something truly iconic in The Honeymooners and The Cavalcade of Stars. I I wanted to know a little bit more about that when I grew up a little bit. Uh, So, you know, that's that's part of the reason, too. I mean, to hear that he did something like this and then and then follow up that disaster of a game show with a half-hour apology. It just seemed like a cautionary tale that needed to be told to a new generation. Now, as far as next season goes, and forgive me again for burping, because it is Thanksgiving Thanksgiving weekend, and a lot of turkey to be had. We had a 22-pound bird this year, and all I could think of was uh, Reverend Lovejoy from The Simpsons going, Dear Lord, it's a demon bird! So, that say goodbye to the diet there. Uh, so anyway, for next season, it's not so much about the shows themselves, but rather asking the questions of how and why. How did this get made, to borrow from another very popular podcast, and more importantly, why did this get made, and why did it go wrong? That's really what this is all about, just sort of dissecting all the problems that happened in the first place, and to see if anything could have been prevented. We, at least we hope so, because there's going to be some things in the future that are completely unsalvageable. So uh, we'll we'll keep an eye out on that, and that's uh, part of the spoilers yet to come for Season 2. So thank you very much for that question, Tim. And uh, again, we credit That Week in SNL podcast for all three of these questions. So I'm just going to say That Week in SNL asks this question next. And that is, uh, what are the pros and cons of being a one-man show? And by the way, forgive me for uh, sounding a little nasal here because it is getting colder outside and... Flu shots are a very fickle thing, but I digress. Uh, So the pros and cons of being a one-man show. I've always felt comfortable doing things with autonomy, because you get to be your own boss, you get to have the final cut, you get to have complete editorial control. But on the other hand, something might come up in which, okay, maybe I might need an extra voice. Like, for instance, our recent recap show, we had to fill two roles, partly because I didn't want to be talking to myself. I didn't want to play myself as the narrator, myself as the devil, myself as uh, secretary, and pitch myself up with uh, with editing technology. So I, I had to hire some voices, and thankfully, there is a website called Fiverr, which, by the way, uh, is not a sponsor. I'm just mentioning them by name because... They came through in the clutch for me. And I came across uh, a guy by the name of Adam Carrizales. He is the guy that does the voice of the devil. And not only did he do the part exactly how I wanted it, but he gave me a performance that I will not soon forget. And I hope to use him again for other things in the future. And luckily, the other part was literally just a couple of lines. That's the part of the devil's secretary. And there's uh, somebody that I work with uh, in my civilian job, if you will. I'm not 
going to identify where I work, but I will identify who I work with because I do credit her in the episode and she's become a very good friend of mine. Her name is Joan Bishop. I asked her to do an impression basically of Annie Potts and Ghostbusters and not only did she deliver what was essentially the cherry on top for the episode, she was uh, more than able to combine her Annie Potts with a little bit of Fran Drescher at the same time, sort of a Bronx Queens kind of thing, sort of like what my nose is doing right now. So in that case, uh, the pro and the con sort of cancel each other out. I, I do enjoy working alone, but every once in a while, it's, it's nice to get a little hand from the outside. Now, having said that, one thing that is a definite bitch to do is simply getting the word out about the show, especially with a microscopic budget and also especially since we are just a brand new show just starting out. So that part has been a little difficult, especially during the hiatus when you have no new content except for these little drips and drabs here and there, and you hope that people are listening to it because, you know, how else are you going to get the word out aside from, hey, listen to my show instead of having to pay for, like, you know, prepaid likes or something like that. I mean, I'm, I'm a little... I'm a, I'm a little new to that side of social media. Like, I know everything everybody says, you know, you got to put it on Twitter, got to put it on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. That's the easy part. You got to grow your audience, and you got to get your audience there somehow, and that kind of stuff takes money. A lot of money. A lot of bunch of money that I do not have. At the same time, because we're brand new, we don't exactly have that big a fan base so that we could beg people for money because we don't want to seem that desperate. But at the same time, podcasts do cost money to make, even the mere pittance that we're paying right now to our current distributor. And we thank uh, Libsyn, Liberated Syndication, for uh, being our uh, distributor and uh, being very reasonable, too. Um... So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little early in the, long, in, in the run to go whole hog with uh, advertising. It's uh, sort of a double-edged sword. Few people know that we exist, and yet it would probably break us if we tried to let people know that we existed. And that's why right now we really only make our money through eBay sales. I come across a lot of crap. I shouldn't say crap. I mean, this is like unique items every once in a blue moon. Uh, we come across some swag from current TV shows, certain collector's items. As a matter of fact, uh, just a week ago, when Disney Plus launched, we put some promotional Mickey Mouse ears up. That wound up selling for a lot more than I thought it would. We started the price, I think, at $2.99. As of this recording, which is a couple weeks... Actually, it's one week ago. Uh... One week ago, it was sitting at $26 with eight watchers and 150 views. I'm hoping by the time this podcast airs, it will be more than enough to fund several episodes of the new season. So eBay helps us out. Uh, Declutter, which is an app that I use to sell books, that helps us out because, you know, it's a whole PayPal thing. And one sale definitely could keep us on the air for a few months while another could hire more voice actors for more dialogue-heavy episodes. And a really lofty goal that I have... I'm looking at my phone right now. It just jumped up to 35 bucks for Mickey Mouse ears. How about that? That's the fierce immediacy of now, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's our lofty goal. We just want to raise enough money so that we are able to do bigger things. Someday we will do a Patreon, but our fan base is not quite there just yet. And on that note, I'm a little parched right now, so we are going to pause for a second. We're going to put some uh, wacky audio here for a moment, and then we are going to jump to our Facebook questions. You're listening to Telehell. We're loud on the play again, NBC. 
gonna fall right on our face. Wow! Since Freddie came, our ratings always stayed the same. An 18 rating, a 14 share. Bet you wonder if we care. No! We're just proud to be NBC. We're loud. We're living in the past. Loud about a Trump and now we're proud of our foreign shows. Just watch us jam them up your nose. We don't care. It's all fair. NBC is always there. We're not just proud. We're all so loud. We're loud. We're louder than the rest. So loud. It doesn't matter. We're not the best. Loud. We're gonna screw around and run this network in the ground. The Peacock's dead. So thank you, Fred. Yeah, thanks a whole lot. NBC proud as a Peacock. Okay, we're back, and we are going to move on now to our Facebook questions. And we actually, uh, believe it or not, we have three questions from Facebook, and they all seem to pertain to the one episode that seemed to have gotten the most response on Facebook. That would be the uh, Coy and Vance Duke episode. That's the replacement Dukes of Hazard when Tom Wopat and John Schneider tried to hold out for more money. And understandably so. I mean, it's a very popular program. I myself never really cared for it, but to each his own. You know, not everybody's going to like every single thing under the sun, and, and that's okay. So, with that, we have our uh, first question here from a Mr. Matthew Tramp. That is his real name. And he says, have you ever heard of the Dukes of Hazzard spinoff show Enos? Yes, I have. Uh, we actually referenced uh, Enos in the episode. I think, uh, I think to be fair, he might have written the question before actually hearing the episode, but that's okay, too. Uh, but yes, Enos, uh, I think he was the sheriff's deputy to Boss Hogg and Roscoe P. Coltrane. He had a spinoff series, uh, 1980 to 81, where he moved out to L.A. and to quote one of my favorite comedians, uh, Christopher Titus, at Titus Nation on Twitter, he's being taken from the womb to Los Angeles. So it, it it's probably just about as... Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure it was a good show on its own merits. I have not seen it, but the fact that it lasted only a year before Sonny Schroyer, the actor who played Enos, came back, I, I think that kind of tells me everything that I need to know. But I don't think it's, like, sin-worthy. It, it's, it, it's an extension of the brand. It tried. It failed. But I wouldn't exactly call it, like, a disastrous thing, because he was able to find his way back. So as much as I will certainly uh, look at some episodes, I, I don't think it's really worthy of the nine circles of hell. So we are going to uh, move on now to the uh, next question here, also about the Dukes of Hazard, And this one comes to us from a Mark Shamer. And he asks us, were you aware of the crossover between the Dukes and Alice? Until he asked that question, no, I was not aware of that. But thankfully, there's a short clip of it on YouTube, and for legal reasons, I can only do a small bit of it right now, and here it is. Me, oh my, the nerve of that taxi driver expecting a gratuity. Back in Hazard, we don't tip a cabbie unless he jumps a river or two. <laughs> well, I got a little tip for you, you no-count, low-down, double-crossing, two-timing skunk. Wait a minute, I ain't no skunk. No, I'm a hog, and I'm proud of it. Well, I'm ashamed to call you one of my kinfolk, and I got a good mind to call up my Granny Gums and just tell her what a rotten person you are. And when you do, would you give her my love? 
and tell her how sorry I was I had a four clothes on her phone. Lena, <laughs> is that you back here? Say, uh, if you're, you're here, but where's my car? I uh, parked around back in the alleyway, sir, so I wouldn't get door dang. Oh, that was mighty nice of you. You gonna eat this? Mmm, that's mighty fine cooking. It isn't easy watching him eat. It gets worse, ma'am. Willie starts gnawing on the bone. Try to take it away from him, he'll bite your hand off. And when you really think about it, uh, this is actually a pretty good lesson in a term called synergy, corporate synergy, because, and some of you may uh, may know this, you may not know this, but we're here to educate. Uh, the Dukes of Hazard and Alice were both produced by the same company. They were both produced by Warner Brothers. So because they were both produced by Warner Brothers and aired on the same network, CBS, a crossover kind of felt... Well, it was a good gimmick, but I wouldn't exactly call it sin-worthy because this was totally independent of both shows. And in the clip that I saw, I mean, it was goofy and silly, but I don't think it was bad. I mean, crossovers happen all the time. Dick Wolf would not have a career were it not for all the crossovers that he's ever done between all the Law & Order shows, all the Chicago shows, even Homicide Life on the Street, which was not even his show, but it still had Richard Belzer in it, playing the same guy. Uh, but yeah, th th there's, there's nothing wrong with that clip. But thank you at least for letting me know that something like this happened, and there could very well be something in the future that involves a crossover of some kind. Just gotta do some digging around for it, and hopefully that will be a thing someday. And our final question is going to come to us from, also on Facebook, a Mr. Donnie Arnold, also Dukes of Hazard related. And uh, the question is about, don't forget the cartoon with Koi and Vance. When Bo and Luke came back, they replaced them. Well, that wasn't exactly a, a question, but yes, we do mention that particular thing very briefly in the Dukes episode, but we didn't really want to focus on that because the main show was what we felt mattered, and quite honestly, a Dukes of Hazard cartoon was literally about two years before I was born, so this is the first time hearing of this as well, so thank you at least for bringing it to my attention, and thank you all very much for your questions. I know, like I said, this was going to be a short thing, but... It's also a brand new show, and we hope you take the time to listen to it. 13 episodes are available right now at telehell.lipson.com. It is also available on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. I believe we are also on, oh God, what are the names of these things? Uh, we're also on something called CastBox? castbox.fm and we are also listed on something called Podtail and something else called Listen Notes. I'm not exactly sure how I wound up on these things unless it's like something I did on a fluke one day and suddenly I'm all over the place. But yes, I'm on all those things. We will list everything. We will list absolutely everything. In closing, a few uh, dates to keep in mind. We are going to be dropping our Season 2 trailer on December 21st or 22nd, depending on uh, which time zone you're in. And we are going to hopefully be premiering Season 2 of Telehell on January 5th, the weekend of January 5th, that is. So that does it for this edition of Ask Telehell. Thank you very much for listening, and if you'll excuse me, I gotta take a lot of Sudafed because this stuffy nose is the worst. Thank you for listening, and remember, if it's not in Telehell, it's not worth a damn. We'll see you in January. 
Telehell was written, produced, edited, and narrated by me, Justin Hart. All clips used in this program are protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the U.S. Copyright Act of 1976, and all clips used come courtesy of their respective companies and owners. Some of the music used in this program comes courtesy of YouTube and their audio library source. Telehell is now on Stitcher. Go to Stitcher.com, type in the word Telehell, and catch up on all the shows that we've put up so far. And don't forget, we're also still on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and of course our own website, Telehell.Libsyn.com. And don't forget to like, comment, rate, subscribe, and share on our social feeds. Twitter and Facebook, both at Telehell Podcast. Telehell is a production of Horton Road and is distributed by Libsyn.